0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auction, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So this is my conversation with Ezra Levine dealing with the history of the National. Hope you enjoy it. I did. Again, I get asked questions that I really hadn't thought about it that way. So candid answers, unscripted. What do
1: you remember about the real origin story? It's the first time you heard about the National.
0: I think the unsung hero of the National is probably Gavin Riley. I think he did a lot of the thought leadership. I think Mike Burkus was the megaphone. Steve Bruner contributed, obviously. But Gavin was a school teacher, very sharp guy, had an outstanding collection, and really wanted to give back. He was already a leader in the industry. Some of the documents you see from 79, 80, 81 are Gavin writing things up and making some appeal to his fellow collectors and dealers to get involved, and it was successful. I knew about it early on because he was pitching me to really promote it in our price guide. We gave him a free ad inside cover of the first price guide book that was very successful. I've always been about making the pie bigger, and Gavin, Steve, and Mike were like that too. It needed to move beyond being just a buy-sell-trade warehouse. It needed to be a showcase event they had that in mind right from the beginning. Mike Burkus I was very close to Mike, and he's passed away now. He was a promoter type, but the architect, I think, was Gavin.
1: Why was a national show important at, at that time period? I mean, there had been other shows which some even called themselves the national. Why was having a national convention important in in, in the hobby space at that point in time?
0: Well, these three guys were already running. Memorial Day and Labor Day shows in L.A., they already knew how to put on a show and were very well respected in the national hobby. It wasn't just three random guys. When they did a call out of, hey, you want to be involved? A lot of national dealers said, we believe you guys, we trust you guys, but we'll be there. Because they had to go out on a limb to guarantee this. The things before had been regional, and this was an attempt to intentionally make it national.
1: You obviously had a very prominent role in this industry, as you still do today. What was the hobby infrastructure like at that point? Was it a flourishing market, a fledgling market? What was the sort of environment of collecting back when the national really started to get going?
0: It was flourishing in a smaller pond. Prices were lower. The intensity was there. Just the dollar amounts were lower. People now look back and think, I wish i just had a blank check back then and bought everything. It was every bit as passionate then and probably a little bit more in the pure collecting than the investing. Now it's just a much bigger pond. I don't even think you'd call it a pond anymore. Whether it's a lake, it's not an ocean. It's not every man, woman, and child is going to be a collector, but we're getting a lot of traction and more and more people are becoming aware of this. What Gavin, Steve, and Mike realized in the late 70s there is that we're starting to get some increased publicity. And this would be an opportunity to galvanize that. Now it's gone way beyond that.
1: Love it. Your first memories of the show itself. It's in 1980. What was it like to be there at the First National?
0: Well, the First National was underwhelming when you walk in the room. As you walk around the room and you see people from all over the country, that was impressive. But When you walk in, it just looked like a big card show. But then there were breakouts for trying to get a code of ethics or an association of dealers. There was a lot of interest in increased organization and how to collect better and how to recognize reprints. Right from the beginning, there was an attempt to give back, but it wasn't all happening in that one room. When you walked into the main room, it looked like a card show, but it was a great card show and no corporate.
1: Right. You mentioned all the other activities that were there. And if you read the Magna Carta and then you look at 81 or 82, all the other activities are on the slate, everything from softball games and pool parties and all that. If you could just talk through some of the other activities that were happening and how attention was divided. Were people excited to buy, sell, and trade? or people excited just to be part of a community? How did those other activities play into the whole experience?
0: I think the card show had reduced hours. So there was an attempt to optimize and to give some time for the occasional seminar or the softball game or the pool party or something. And it didn't have to be just After hours, there was an attempt to allow people to breathe, to have it be a vacation among friends. And the fact that you could pay for your trip by your sales at your table or more, that was a bonus.
1: The location of the National is obviously a very hot topic of conversation. hasn't been on the West Coast in a lot of time. What was the original inspiration behind the rotating National?
0: In the beginning, not a lot of structure there. And not a lot of regulation. After a few years, when it seemed like the vote for where the National was going to be the next year wound up going to wherever the dealers were that time, where where they wanted to go was convenient for them. So it floated around the Midwest for a while until some Bruce Painter, among others, developed a compromise that said National had to move two states away or 500 miles away or some kind of a rule like that so that it did work around the country, which was the founder's original intent. Yet there became a committee that pretty much became all powerful in terms of making a lot of these kinds of selections and presenting candidates to be voted on. So these things are ad hoc. And now looking back after 42 years, the East Coast and the West Coast have lost out to the Midwest and it needs to be a national. It needs to get back out on the West Coast. No excuses. It's East Coast this year. Good. It needs to be West Coast sooner.
1: Yep. Yep. There's a lot of history on the original foundation, the first couple of years of it. And not a lot of I've seen of material Kind of in the mid to late 80s and the 90s, up until when all hell broke loose in the industry. Any profound memories or experiences or highlights from the late 80s?
0: When you get into the 90s, or especially in the 21st century, there's a lot of digital photography that's available. So you you could see what's going on. But you get back into the 80s, the 90s even, what I have, I got to look for them and find them. But there's a program for every national. And some of them are skinny. But a lot of them have a recap from previous years. I don't know if you've had access to that, but somewhere around here, I've got a box full of old national programs, one for every year. They're not necessarily such scholarly works, but they do give a little history. And so they weren't that dark of years, just they weren't high growth years. Each national was like the one before it. Then after Anaheim in 91, that was the peak, just huge. What that did it dwarfed anything that had come before it. So it's not that the ones before it were bad. There were a couple of them in Texas that weren't bad, but Anaheim just hit it out of the park in ninety-one. And then after that, I think Atlanta was ninety-two, and that was disappointing. The attendance was two-thirds off. There probably were one-third as many people in Atlanta. It was way down. Just the nature of the cities, the collecting bases. Yeah. Maybe that was a precursor of the junk wax starting to get recognized too much production then 94 95 you start getting the baseball strike that affected everything up until those days it was a very baseball centric hobby as well as national and then you get into the 90s and football starts coming on then basketball starts coming on in the 2000s hockey has always had its own national but there's hockey there too nascar has come on soccer So it's truly a national sports collector's convention, not just baseball. It's something for everybody.
1: We saw this, obviously, with the Mint Collective, right? Anytime you're trying to do anything, it's difficult once, but 42 times in a row, 43 times a year, whatever it's been at this point, it's even more so, obviously. Were there any unique challenges close to not occurring any moments or stories that you recall about the National? Were there some real dark years at any point or any major challenges that the National had to overcome to make sure its longevity remained intact?
0: Gavin's first letter hints at that. The darkest uh, concern he had is that this would be a one-shot, that it wouldn't be successful, and that nobody pick up the mantle of leadership. You can imagine with all the work you put in with Mint Collective, you'd have to be like George Washington saying, I'm not going to run for re-election. Somebody else is going to run the Mint Collective next year or the National in 1981. So Gavin was very pleased that a group from Detroit said, we'll host it and we'll take care of it. And then I think went to St. Louis after that. So a group kept stepping up, but it's like the Mint Collective being run by a different group each year. That was very selfless of those guys. They didn't own it. They allowed others to step up and they had some concern, which did happen a couple of times. I don't want to get into the negatives, but there were a few nationals that were considered balls dropped where the promoters were not as conscientious. And so over the years, then the committee more and more took over to put in. And then for a while, they hired a professional management group, which didn't necessarily help because they didn't understand the hobby. Yeah. But that's the trust Gavin and Mike and Steve had that we're going to entrust our baby, a two-year-old or one-year-old, to a group in another city. Now, they knew them because it was a close-knit group, but most of the promoters in those days were really advanced collectors that had relationships with each other anyway. So I knew those guys, and I knew they'd do a pretty good job. But in the beginning, it was more of a bigger version of their regional show. They made a little bit more money, but they worked it hard. They got the benefit of increasing their mailing list. And so it probably was win-win. But after five or six years, I think it really needed to get a little more structure.
1: Yeah. When did it become the national that critical mass where everyone's like, okay, this is the Super
0: Bowl of, of the hobby every year. I think the intent was in 79, in the summer before, that there was a beating the drum and really the audacity to call it a national. Because there weren't other things really that were seriously called a national. These guys had hobby clout and respect. So people started thinking that way. The next two or three were not way bigger, but they were Just continuing on, this thing has continuity, it has legs. It's for real. You can set your calendar for it.
1: When did the commercialization of the national begin? When they had real corporate sponsors?
0: I'm sure it happened before 91, but there was no doubt it was here to stay after 91 when you walk in there and there's lines all the way around the block, not even to get in the show, to get the promos (laughs) and to get in the show too. The manufacturer's coming. With real enticements for people to come and get free samples that they could then sell later on in the day on the show floor, not necessarily on eBay, on the show floor. So corporates were here to stay after 91. And that also meant the footprint of the show had now completely outgrown a hotel ballroom of any size. It had to be in a convention center. And that's what we still have today.
1: Love it. What do you think the national means to the hobby at large?
0: Look at an onion and peel it back. The inner circle of the onion, the heart or the hardcore people are going to go. It doesn't matter where it is. They're going to be there. There's a next group. They're probably going to be there. There's a next group that'll be there if it's convenient. But the national reaches beyond that to people that say, I've heard about this. I'm going to give it a try. If it's convenient to me, they may not go every year. But 50,000 new people or whatever it is came to Chicago to check it out. That's because of the publicity the hobby has garnered. If we have this cooperative aspect that all of us set aside any kind of intramural bickering (laughs) of who wants to get a bigger piece of the pie, this is one time of the year that everybody can come together under one big tent and enjoy and compete, but enjoy. All right. What does the national mean to you personally? It's an important marker for me. It's the only time I see certain people, some of whom I'd like to see more than once a year. It's more cards under one roof that I'm ever going to see, including cards I've never seen before, which is a kick for me. And I learned something and I have fun. So it's a vacation.
1: I love it. Uh, your favorite personal memory from the National?
0: It'd be 97 because I had a heart attack in late 96. And if <laughs> will show up, the next year. I wasn't in horrible shape, but I was warmly received for a guy that was dead for five minutes Hmm. to come back to see my friends and get some hugs from people because no one is indispensable in the industry. I never thought I was, but I'd be missed. (laughs) But they were happy to see me. (laughs) And it really was my new lease on life that started my process of bringing the hobby back into hobby for me and not just a business because i i recovered from a heart attack and at that point probably the seeds of selling my company had been planted so i could go to the national and just enjoy